Glory forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have begun our celebration, not only of our Lord's resurrection, but of the end of the Holy Prophet and forerunner John's life and the beheading. We have in the past few weeks, especially in my mind and experience, because there's a blip of two Sundays that kind of were in a completely different place, so it almost like it didn't happen in some ways. But I left right, right after the Dormition of St. Anne, and we had the Dormition of Theotokos, then we had a Sunday, and now we have the death of John the Baptist. The Dormition of St. Anne, if you read around the tradition of the birth of the Theotokos, after the tidings come to Anne, uh, she resides, there's this specific way that the Proto-Evangelium of James talks, and she, she kind of uh, makes home, she nests, as we talk, right? She, there's a domestic uh, element that's there in the text, and the holiness of the house and home, and the way in which the Theotokos for the few years that she was with her parents before, she then, in her life, uh, her domesticity was not found in a home, but she resided within the temple. Then we have now the celebration of the death of John. We have someone who did not reside in a home. He did not reside and grow up in the temple, but the tradition of the church tells us that he grew up in the desert. That he grew up in the desert because that's where his mother took him, and that is where he grew up. He also, according to tradition, uh, was fed by the angels, just like the Theotokos was fed by the angels in the temple. Home, temple, desert. We're coming to the end of our liturgical year this month, with the beginning of the church year in September 1st. And so the last great feast of the church is one of great solemnity. It is one of desert. It is one uh, that is a great feast. It has a very, say, high ranking, and that is to be as a commemoration. But it is a strict fast, and it is one in which, as you heard, in the hymnody this evening, a banquet of blood, a banquet of decadence, of murder. John the Baptist, growing up in the desert, coming to prepare the way of the Lord, the return of God to his people, to the restoration of where they were to have been, to restore worship, to restore everything in its fullness with the coming of the Son of God. It says in Malachi that Elijah is going to come. Well, if you remember, we're still not that far from the Feast of Elijah, from the day of Elijah. If you remember, he is also acquainted with the desert. He was also dressed like John. He was 
if you want to say, the archetype of prophets. And so John coming in the same clothing, the same place as Elijah, he comes and he has the same conflicts as Elijah does. Because as Elijah is leaving off from Elisha, if you remember that story, he goes up in a flaming chariot and he gives him his mantle because Elisha wants to stay close to his, say, father in the faith, his spiritual father, his prophetic forerunner. And what happens right after that? We, I usually, my mind goes and spends all my time there. What happens right after that? Does anyone remember what, happen, what Elisha does? He crosses the Jordan. What happens when he crosses the Jordan? The water parts. Huh. I, I, I wonder what that has happened before. <laughs> we get with John the Baptist the same. The Jordan figures greatly. He comes and he has the same message as Elijah. Repent. Return to God. And he has the same kind of conflicts that Elijah has too, right? Because John doesn't just go to the suburbs or the little villages and just kind of talk and then go to the next and then make sure that he's always ahead of King Herod looking for him. No, he goes right up to him and tells him what's what. Just like Elijah had done. We have in John the Baptist, in his baptizing of our Lord, the water, right? So Elisha, in the spirit of Elijah, crosses uh, through dry land with the Jordan. We have John the Baptist baptizing God in the water. And as we sing in the hymnody, the water departs in its own way, right? It flows backwards. When God brings repentance, it's usually going to come hard, fast, out of the desert. And it's going to be a little bit jarring. Who likes to be told that they're wrong? Anybody? Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Oh, Dimitri does. Okay, Dimitri is the exception. He likes to be told he's wrong. On certain things. On certain things. Yes, most of us have a little bit, this sliver, where we can, okay, I can take that. You get beyond that, your neck hair stands up, your ego is hurt, you're ready to lash out, you're ready to do whatever it takes to get back. Usually your mouth can't stay quiet. But when God, through his prophet Elijah, through his prophet forerunner John, says repent, do we have the ears to hear? Do we have the eyes to see? Are our hearts ready to hear what he has to say? To go into our own deserts, to be fed by God, to stand <clears throat> against power, to look death and possible death in the eye. For we are all, as Moses asked great, that great rhetorical question, would that all God's people be prophets? We all, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are called to imitate 
and live into the spirit of Elijah, Elisha, and John the Baptist. We celebrate faithfulness. We celebrate what God does when he asks us to repent. We celebrate what it means for us to be faithful in the midst of opposition, in the midst of the threat of death. We need the domesticity of home, right? We need that formation, that love, that care. We need to be fed in the temple. But we also need to be ready and to experience the desert so that we can, in our own little ways, repent and prepare the way of the Lord so that we can cross over that Jordan at the end of our life, that the waters will part and we will go into that promised land. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.